0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. You want to be a part of our live audience, the show airs Monday through Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. I want to say a big thank you and welcome to all of our moderators. We have Marie on the Instagram side, Saz and Khaleesi over on the YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter side. Thank you, guys. Uh, Say hello to some of our viewers. Lindsay Sparks is our viewer tonight, our regular viewer, all the way from Canada. Lisa Wilhelm is also with us on Facebook. Cece Weezy is joining us. Zoe. Another regular viewer is tuning in from Twitter. Welcome, Zoe. Niza is joining us on Instagram. Yusin is joining us from Venezuela. Leonardo Lima is also joining us. Andre, Kecko. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Hope you could spend the next hour with us uh, as we talk all things horror. And we have a guest announcement to make. A week from tonight, we are going to be having... Uh, Sophie Guest. Sophie Guest is a up-and-coming actress. She's just 15 years old uh, and she is going to be starring in the highly anticipated series that is being released this weekend on Amazon. In fact, that is going to be the first story that we discuss today. And like I said, Sophie Guest from uh, the highly anticipated Amazon show being released this weekend. Called them will be our special guest live right here on dead talk live a week from tonight starting at 9 30 p.m eastern so that is going to be a treat make sure you tune in for that want to say hello and a welcome to kai who's joining us on youtube welcome kai welcome to philip who's also joining us on facebook so let's go ahead and uh, get started and For those of you who have not heard about this show, it is Amazon's newest horror series. It's called Them, and it's the stuff of nightmares. Here is this writer's honest review. Uh, It may contain some spoilers, but we're okay with that. Uh, Within the first five minutes of Amazon Prime's new series, Them, I can sense that something is horribly wrong. It starts off, innocently enough, a black mother prepares a snack for her toddler in an isolated suburban home. Then along comes this random stranger who innocently plays with the family's dog. That's never a good sign. But then she starts to sing uh, Stephen Foster's Old Black Joe. The dog mysteriously vanishes. The baby starts to cry and suddenly this visitor doesn't look so friendly. At this point, I'm already on edge, waiting with bated breath for the ultimate jump scare, or some kind of release, but it never comes. Instead, that palpable tension just continues to build, and at the end of the first episode, I'm still left holding my breath. For those who are unfamiliar with them, It's the new horror anthology series that just hit Amazon Prime. And while I've only just started watching this series, I'm already horror-struck. It says to continue reading uh, about the cast and whether or not it's worth the watch. So, what is Them about? According to the official synopsis, Them is a horror drama that explores terror in America. In the first season called Them Covenant, we follow the Emrys, a black family who moves into an all-white neighborhood in Los Angeles during the Second Great Migration. When they get there, however, they confront evil forces that threaten to destroy them all. In her interview with Vogue, Lena Waif, who serves as the executive producer explained that the purpose is to highlight the darker side of the black experience in America. She said it's going to ruffle some feathers, it's going to trigger some people, it's not going to be an easy watch, but it will be unforgettable. She continued, it's not about exploiting black pain, it's about not allowing the world to act as if we black people have to just be okay there's a reason why we're not even though the show takes place in the 1950s what happened then still affects us today the cast includes quite a few familiar faces harriet actress deborah iron sorry i stars as lucky emery while ashley thomas plays her successful husband, Henry. Shahadi Wright, Joseph, who you might recognize from Jordan Pele's Us, plays their eldest daughter. Ruby Emery and Melody Hurd play Gracie, their youngest. Meanwhile, Alison Pill, best known for Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, stars as the family's racist neighbor, Betty Wendell, other cast members include Ryan Kwatin, Christopher Hydenhall, Jeremiah Burkett, and Liam McIntyre. Is it worth the watch? If you're a fan of the hair-raising suspense, jump scares, and sharp commentary about America, then you're definitely in the right place. While I've only seen the first episode, I can honestly say that I haven't felt this scared in a long time. From the eerie, judgmental gaze of white neighbors to the mysterious home invasion, I was terrified for this family and teetering on the edge of my seat the entire time. But here's the thing. The overt racism wasn't even the scariest part. It was simply knowing that the worst is yet to come since the Emerys are technically dealing with with layers of trauma both outside and inside their home. As expected, the acting is also phenomenal, but the immediate standout is Ariane's Lucky. From the moment she enters the new neighborhood, she's ill, at ease, and you can feel that discomfort. You can feel her paranoia when she sits up at night with her loaded gun, and her anger when the neighborhood wives try to get under her skin. As waith previously mentioned, this is far, and I mean far, from feel-good content, but tackles an important piece of history in a pretty unique way. That sense of impending doom will definitely have your heart racing from the start, But this also strikes me as the kind of series that'll get viewers thinking about America's flaws and racism towards the black community. Come this weekend, I know that I'll be watching with all the lights on, of course. So with nail-biting suspense and thought-provoking commentary on racism, them will actually remind you of how terrifying the real world is. Can be So there you have it. Summed up nicely. I'm going to definitely watch it this weekend. We are going to be having one of the stars of the show, Sophie Guest, a week from today to hear about her experience. Uh, like I said, Sophie is an up and coming actress. She's been around for a while, but she's just 15 years old. So it's going to be a great to uh, get her perspective on acting What's it like being an actor on the show and everything else in between. So make sure you tune in for that on Friday, a week from today. And this article is absolutely correct. I've always say on this show that the real world is a lot scarier than anything we can see portrayed on our television sets or in the the movie theater. It really, really is. If you just break it down, Uh, I think what makes it different for us when we're watching a horror movie, whether it be at the comfort of our own home or at a movie theater, which even there, you're not 100% safe, but we're not going to get into that. But, you know, the entertainment factor comes that you know you're watching, at least most people know, that they're watching fiction. Okay? When you're watching the cable news, or your local news, and you see all the horrible stuff that's going on in the real world, it, it, it is, in my opinion, way worse, but I don't know if we just become, uh, you know, so used to it by now, that it doesn't strike us as uh, it should, but anyway, I always said it, and I'll continue saying it, the real world... Is a lot scarier than any movie we can ever watch. Uh, Khaleesi writes, definitely cannot wait to watch them. CC writes, this is gonna be good. I'm ready to watch this series. Zoe on Twitter, Twitter writes, I really wanted to watch. I really wanted to watch this now, but I don't know. Will I be traumatized? Oh, well, give it a shot. You know. Remember, it's well. I was gonna say it's fiction. This story is fictional, this is not based on true events, but the overall theme of what it's trying to tell is absolutely true back in 1950s America. So, yeah, you know, that's what the author of this article is trying to portray and tell us that these are events that took place, the events of this particular family and their uh story is made up but the world that they're living in is was absolutely real and here we are in the year 2021 and we're still dealing with an america where we're fighting racism the the fight is not over not by a long shot so uh lindsey sparks writes We'll uh, definitely check them out for sure. CeCe writes, I live in the South. Trust me, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It sucks. Anyway, moving on. Let's see. Uh, Before we get to that, Screen Rant did an article on why they think Negan returned to Alexandria. I gave you my opinions when we reviewed the episode uh, this past Monday. Let's see what Screen Rant has to say. The Walking Dead Season 10 Episode 22 saw Negan make a huge decision that could have consequences. Here's what this means for his Season 11 story. Negan, of course played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, made a huge decision in the finale one that could have major consequences for the future of the AMC show. Despite the risk, the character has elected to remain in Alexandria rather than remain banished. Good for him. Which goes against Negan's original comic book ending. To get rid of Alpha, uh, Carol made a controversial choice to let Negan out of his cell In order to gain acceptance from the community, Negan killed Alpha for Alexandria. And, you know, they make a great point right there. And I got to pose this question to you guys. Uh, Negan knew he was let out for a particular, for a specific purpose. Uh, He really wanted to at least start to become a member, a contributing member to Alexandria you think if we take that out of the equation, do you think Negan still kills Alpha? I don't think so. We all saw that look on his face when he sliced her throat open. He felt remorse. He did not want to kill her. Now, whether that's just the new Negan who's not, you know, kill first and ask questions later, uh But I really, we all agreed on this when we discussed it a lot, uh, that he really felt he liked her. He really liked her. And I don't think it was in the sexual sense, even though that vision of those two naked together is forever seared in our brains right now. He respected her to some degree and her vision towards the world. So if we take out the whole aspect of him being let out of that jail cell for the particular purpose to get rid of Alpha, if we've removed that from the equation, does he still kill Alpha? I think not. That's my opinion. Afterward, the main characters didn't lock him up, but they didn't exactly forgive him either. His situation was further complicated, by the return of Maggie, who understandably was frustrated at the sight of... Of seeing him walk around free when she came back she was told that a verdict regarding Negan's fate had not been reached yet that finally came in the Walking Dead uh, season 10 episode 22 here's Negan to his disappointment Carol banished him from the community and forced him to go his own way at the end of the episode Negan defied Carol's order and return to the settlement with that awesome line telling Carol that if she doesn't mind to have somebody go back and pick his stuff up. In response to seeing him again, Carol said that she did it so that her conscience would be clear if Maggie were to kill him, which she believes will happen now that he's staying. It's likely that Carol's opinion on the matter is shared by most members of the community, especially the ones who were around during the conflict with the saviors. I personally don't think Maggie is even going to attempt to kill him. She has a son now. She's a mother. This is not the same Maggie we saw, you know, before the time jump. She hates him. No doubt about that, but I don't even think she's going to make a play to try and take him out. What this means is that Negan can count on the people of Alexandria to raise a hand in his defense if Maggie comes for him now. To Carol, Negan refusing to accept banishment essentially absolves them of any responsibility of what comes next. And, you know, basically means that if Maggie does kill him, you know, it won't be on Carol's conscience, saying, hey, I tried to save you and got you this cabin where you could do whatever you want. You're the one who decided to come back. In other words, Negan being killed by Maggie is now on the table. If she were to eliminate him now, there's a good chance she wouldn't face any repercussions for it. Few would blame her for avenging her husband's death. It does feel like Negan's choice has made his death in season 11 a real possibility. He survived the comic book version of the story, but that's largely due to the fact that he accepted a life of isolation. And I'm going to go on the record right now. If they actually decide to kill off Negan's character on The Walking Dead towards the end of the series in 2022, I think it's gonna be a huge mistake because they have a lot of spin offs coming. Yeah, The Mother Show is coming to an end, but they could use him in so many different ways to bolster uh, any one of the upcoming spin offs of The Walking Dead. So I'm just going on the record saying that if they do kill off, Negan's character, I think it would be a huge mistake. Um, Emmy on Facebook writes, If she really liked Alpha, then why Did did he kill her, I think you mean? Lindsay writes, It wouldn't work. I agree with you, Viz. I don't think Maggie will kill Negan. Lisa on Facebook writes, I still wonder why Rosita thinks about Negan being part of the community. I might be missing something if that's been discussed on the show. That's a great point. And it has not been discussed. How about Rosita? Now, Sasha died during All Out War. But Rosita, even though Abraham, you know, was a dick to her and the way that he broke up with her, she still loved him, I believe, and had feelings for him, was very upset when the way he ditched her for for Sasha. But for everything that we have basically not seen on the show, the whole Rosita-Negan thing is not even an issue. That's the only thing we have to go by. Uh, Emmy writes, Oh, I hope they will not kill the character of Negan. A lot of people feel the same way zoe on twitter writes i agree so uh let's see k-pop is with us on instagram saying have i ever listened to k-pop nope sorry can't say that i have uh it does feel like negan's choice has made his death a possibility so where did i leave off um in the comic book a remorseful and broken negan made maggie Rethink killing him, but the TV version of her, who already went through that scenario in season 9, may not back down in season 11, because she originally believed he would be locked up for the rest of his life. Living in the same town with him is bound to lead to disaster sooner or later. By being in Alexandria in The Walking Dead season 11, Negan will be there when the Commonwealth story starts to develop and the tension between him and Maggie is sure to escalate during this time. And wouldn't it wouldn't be a nice twist if the writers of this show early in season 11 uh, put situations in both Maggie's and Negan's path that sort of force them to work together in order to survive. And that is what might lead Maggie to not forgive. She's never going to forgive him for what he did, but learn to coexist with him. That's the best you can ask for. What he will do about a potential confrontation remains to be seen, but his defiant attitude and smirk in episode 22 may provide a hint. Given that Negan truly wants a life for himself in Alexandria, he may be prepared to fight back when and not if Maggie makes her big move. So this, the person who wrote this article is convinced that Maggie is going to make a move. I am not that convinced. Uh, Lisa writes, I hope they don't kill him off either. He's beneficial. Despite what he's done in the past and he's a good fighter. Yes, he is and he's very smart as well So that's the end of this article so Nothing really new nothing. We haven't already discussed, but we just have to wait and see what actually happens between Maggie and Negan but right here that smirk the picture of that look of that smirk on his face One of my favorite scenes, and here's Negan. I'm like, he's like, I'm here. You want to make your move? Go for it. So, horror never ends. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre returns again. Director Fede Alvarez has confirmed he will produce a direct sequel to the 1970s horror classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out later this year uh, david blue garcia will direct so what they mean by direct sequel the movie itself has already had sequels so what they're doing is they are following the blueprint of what turned out to be a very successful idea with like the halloween movies Uh, halloween 2018 is meant for you to ignore every sequel that happened after the original Halloween and make Halloween 2018 be the actual sequel. And that is what they're trying to do with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Forget every other movie that came after the original, and this new movie is going to be the actual sequel. Like I said, it was very successful for the Halloween franchise. Halloween 2018 was great. We're all looking forward to Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. But just because it worked for Halloween 2018, which you got to mention, it did have John Carpenter running the show again. uh, Doesn't mean it's going to be successful for every other franchise that's been around for a while. But... You know, in their way of thinking, what do they have to lose? Uh, On Bloody Disgusting's The Boo Crew podcast, Alvarez said it is a direct sequel. It is old man, Leatherface. He said special effects for the film are classic, old school gags, a lot of the approach that we had with Evil Dead, never visual effects. Uh, to do everything on camera. It's a very old school approach to filmmaking. Vintage lens. It's very similar to the original film. So, uh, that's, I mean, it sounds interesting. Horror master Toby Hooper, who directed and co-wrote the original in 74. Wow, 74. That was the year I was born. He also directed the groundbreaking paranormal film The Poltergeist, produced by Steven Spielberg and the critically acclaimed Stephen King adapted television miniseries Salem's Lot. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a group of young people are traveling in rural Texas. They take a detour, leading them to fall into the clutches of a demented family of cannibal killers. The Sawyers. As they fight to escape, they are hunted by Leatherface, a chainsaw-wielding psychopath who wears the mask of human skin. Leatherface mask has become an an iconic villain uh, image in cinema. The film spawned seven sequels. Leatherface, from 2017, is the most recent and prequels as well. Alvarez, a uh, Uruguayan filmmaker, is a director, writer, producer, and editor. His feature film directorial debut was the 2013 remake of Sam Raimi's horror classic, Evil Dead, which was really good. I liked the remake of Evil Dead. He co-wrote this film with Roto Seguez, his frequent co-writing collaborator. They have also collaborated for Don't Breathe, another excellent movie, which is a sequel is coming out for that as well, and the upcoming sequel, Don't Breathe 2, which I just said. Recently, Alvarez directed and co-wrote The Girl in the Spider's Web. So this guy has some pretty good uh, credits to his name. Garcia is an Emmy award-winning cinematographer, camera operator, and director based in South Texas. His directorial feature film debut, Tahano, which aired on HBO, is a neo-noir film with a bilingual Tex-Mex theme. It follows the hollow, harrowing journey of a young farmhand so desperate for money for his ailing grandfather He reluctantly agrees to smuggle drugs across the Mexico-U.S. border for a cartel. So here's the trailer. It looks like they already have a trailer ready to go. Uh, So let's go ahead and take a, a sneak peek at this. This is the, okay. Tell me how much you got. How much? That much. That much? This, much. That much. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> this is not the original. This is the Jessica Baill remake. Hey, are you okay? This is the Jessica Baill remake, which was good, but not the original the cops, I guess how many of you guys have seen this remake excuse me I'm a big Jessica Bayo fan I think she's a great actress I just saw and she's really has to do some amazing all right, that's stuff. It. If somebody's out there just come on out what is that the hitchhiker what were they all doing here what the hell are you doing in my house you're all gonna die All right, okay, I get it, but if you're writing an article of a sequel that's being made of the original film, why show a trailer of the remake? I don't understand that. The reason why I watched the whole thing, I enjoyed this remake. I'm a big fan of Jessica Baill. Uh, She's still doing a lot of acting, But for those of you that don't know, she's also doing a lot of producing. How many of you guys out there are fans of the series uh, called Sinner? It's had three seasons already. Jessica Baile starred in the first season. And uh, they just, uh, season three aired last year. Uh, It's available on Netflix if you guys want to catch up. I believe it originally airs on the USA channel, but that is a great series. And like I said, she was the star. Well, actually the star, uh, she was the, uh, every season is a different story following Detective Ambrose and he gets involved in some kind of twisted murder, but she's been the executive producer for all three seasons. It's her idea and it's a great series uh summer is saw sinner saying the first season was wild zoe on twitter also is a big fan of sinner i love that show i think it's great it's amazing it really has these stories that seem very clear-cut in the beginning and when it comes to a murder but as detective ambrose digs deeper and deeper layer after layer by the time you get to the end of the season so much more stuff has been revealed about the incident that took place it's phenomenal storytelling so if you guys want to watch it it is available all three seasons are available on netflix and i i highly recommend it so let's see Uh, Khaleesi writes, seen her face in a Facebook series. Can't remember what it was called. Alright, so let's see what else we got. The Howling. Alright, the best free horror movies that you can watch on YouTube right now. For those of you that may not know, uh, Google Play is a pretty top streaming service for movies they're not the best of the best out there in regards to quality you know when i say quality i mean the actual no f- there's not a whole bunch of 4k or hdr movies especially if you're watching it on your television but they have a big collection of movies that you can buy or rent but they also have free movies that you can watch as well so here are some of the best free horror movies that you can watch on YouTube right now, and it's actually YouTube, but it's through Google Play. In this uh, trusty, on, on his, trusty of the nature of human fear, American multi-instrumentalist Andrew Gold uh, poisoned that spooky scary skeletons sent shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. He was right, of course. Spooky, scary skeletons can, as a rule, be counted on to sneak from their uh, sarcophagi and just not let you be. But what if you're not close to the sarcophagus? What indeed if bags of bones are to your eyes a terror the best categorized? as a as merely semi-serious wow that was extremely difficult to read that was almost like a poem anyway here are the movies that are free on youtube uh, that if you guys want to check out first one is cube uh nesferatu the vampire let's see troll hunter dead snow 2 red versus dead Black Christmas and that's it those are the best of the best that are available for free if you guys just want to watch something on Netflix so let's see Uh, Blumhouse the nice production studio that has given us plenty of good horror flicks plans conversion camp horror And for those of you guys who don't know what conversion therapy is, it is sad to say that there are places like this that are actually operating. I do not believe that they're legal, so they kind of skirt the legal issue by calling it something else. But it's a place where mostly children are sent to because they are LGBT to get converted back to being heterosexual it doesn't work it's ridiculous ends up traumatizing the child for life Uh, and even adults attend these conversion therapies because they're conflicted don't like the feelings that they're feeling and they want them to go away so they go to these places that are a nightmare uh you've probably have seen a show or a movie where you've seen a conversion therapy shown uh, camp and it's just flat-out horrific so let's see what this is multiple Oscar nominated screenwriter and penny dreadful creator John Logan uh, from Skyfall the Last Samurai any given Sunday will make his feature directorial debut on the horror feature Whistler Camp for Blumhouse Productions. The project, which is currently casting, is described as a queer empowerment story set at a conversion therapy camp. No doubt the kids will fight back against the camp counselors, engaging in this discredited and abusive practice in which the past-used methods ranging from ice-pick lobotomies to electric shock. Jason Blum and Michael Aguilar were produced, with Ryan Turek is creatively overseeing the film for Blumhouse. Logan is also penning the script. And that's the, all the info that they're giving us. So this is still new. It's still casting. Uh, yeah, these places do exist. The methods that they use are really archaic they are torture and they don't work <laughs> cc wheezy writes that shit don't work and you're right it does not work welcome to avery on instagram 7lmq has also joined us safat222 saying what's up welcome to all you guys on instagram summer on uh, YouTube writes, the detective had some freaky stuff going on with him. Talking about Detective Ambrose from Sinner. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, I saw an episode of Criminal Minds, and it was about convergence uh, uh, therapy. It was sad and terrible. Yeah, I've seen every episode of Criminal Minds. I know exactly which one you're talking about. And it's been on more shows than just Criminal Minds. I'm glad that uh, Hollywood is shedding light that these types of places exist. And they have existed for a long, long time. And for the longest of time, they were being left alone. No kind of uh, help for these poor kids that are literally being abused at these camps. Uh, So I'm glad that Hollywood is starting to shine a light on what goes on at these places, so they can all be pretty much shut down. So, anyway, How Scary is the Empty Man? The Lost Thriller and the Next Great Cult Horror Film. Checking out the time, our highly scientific scarity scale helps you determine whether movies are too scary for you. For diehard, uh, for diehards, no horror movie can be too scary. But for you, a wimp, the wrong one can leave you miserable. Never fear, scaredless scaredies, scarities. That's how it's pronounced, scaredies. Uh, because Slate's scaredy scale is here to help. We've put together a highly scientific and mostly spoiler-free system for rating new horror movies. Marie, this is something that you should check out, since you're a big chicken shit when it comes to horror movies. Comparing them with classics along a 10-point scale, and because not everyone is scared by the same things, some viewers can't stand jump scares, while others are haunted by more psychological terrors, or simply can't stomach... Arterial spurts. I like how they put that. Arterial spurts. Reminds me of Kill Bill. It breaks down each movie's scares across three criteria. Suspense, spookiness, and gore. Summer writes, I'm definitely on the wimpy side. I hate being scared. I act like a thug. But in real life, I'll be shaking. Ha <laughs> Marie writes, hey now, be nice. You know I love playing and teasing with you, Marie. This time, uh, The Empty Man, an uncharacterizable two-and-a-half-hour mind screw, originally filmed in 2017, left partly unfinished, then shelled for several years before it was finally dumped in theaters last October. At the first, uh, the story of missing hikers in the 90s, and then the story of an ex-cop on the trail of a neighbor's missing daughter, and then, a lot more than that, the movie attracted little notice initially, but in the months since it arrived into streaming in January, it has summoned a steady drumbeat of horror nerd plotists. They variously dubbed it the next great horror cult film. The Pandemic Horror Cult Classic. And the movie's profile just keeps rising. What is a strange horror epic? And more important, would it be tolerable for you? A certified scarity? We break it down below. And here is several movies that they've put on their scale. Now... Top of the list is Alien, working from the top down. Alien, The Shining, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Jaws, A Quiet Place, The Sixth Sense, Jurassic Park. Now come on, is Jurassic Park a horror movie? No, it's not. Gremlins. Gremlins is not a horror movie. I love Gremlins. It's not a horror movie. Beetlejuice. Again, that's questionable. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. So basically, I know what they're doing. They, uh, the scale is based on the movie itself. So starting with like uh, Jurassic Park. They're letting you know that at this level of the scale, if Jurassic Park scared you, you should not go above this number. Okay? Same thing for Gremlins. Beetlejuice. And if you're the kind of person where Winnie the Pooh scared you, then I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I really don't know what to say. Sorry to say that the Empty Man mostly knows what it's doing with its shocks And they are early and plentiful. You know that the thing in horror movies where a menacing figure is just standing there in the distance, then all of a sudden sprints towards a probable victim? I hate that thing. This one has a doozy in the first 15 minutes. Now, the gore scale. Alright? The Saw franchise. Top, if you can tolerate the saw franchise you can tolerate any kind of gore factor all right then texas chainsaw alien jaws then we get into the jurassic park six Sense, which had very little gore gremlins a quiet place rear window paranormal activity they're right absolutely no gore scary as hell though and uh singing in the rain there are uh, there will be viscera stabbings shootings decomposing dogs hangings you name it this is no saw however if you are fine with most slasher movies you will probably be fine with this now the spookiness scale top on the list exorcist so As far as spookiness goes, if you are okay with The Exorcist, then you've got the green light to watch almost anything you want to watch. Next, The Shining, The Babadook, Psycho, The Sixth Sense, and they're saying that The Empty Man is roughly on the same level as The Sixth Sense when it comes to spookiness. When it comes to gore, it's on the same level as Jaws. And when it comes to suspense, again, on the same level of, as Jaws. So going back to the spookiness, uh, Six Sense. Below that is Alien, Beetlejuice, Gremlins, Jurassic Park, E.T., and the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. The Empty Man's Bravara 22-minute prologue as four hikers deal with an accident and a very unfortunate discovery in the Bhutanese mountains in 95 had me reeling. I should not have watched that movie alone. It had been the whole movie. I would would tell all the Scarities to run, but there are still two hours to go. And as The Empty Man proceeds, it becomes quite strange mismatch of uh, mismatch of horror genres that is more beguiling than truly horrific. Haunted, I am not. But that opening sequence and lots of other terrible stuff, if you have a hard time getting gory images or disturbing scenarios out of your head, this one may not be for you. Now... I'm going to use my wife as an example. My wife does not like disturbing movies at all. So, me, I've been married to my wife for 21 years. We've known each other for 25 years. So, we know each other pretty well. So, I'm going to rate my wife on this scale because she's not watching. And hopefully, she won't watch. She's playing her video game right now after work. So, on the suspense scale, let's see. Uh, no, Texas. No, jaw. Uh, I would put her uh, at the six cents level on the suspense. I would not put jaws. In this list, they have jaws above the six cents. I would reverse those two. So I would put her at the six cents on the suspense scale. On the gore scale, I would put her. Gremlins definitely gremlins on the gore scale on the spookiness. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice that's what I would pick for her. So, you know, hopefully, she won't watch this. So, anyway, the man, the movie's called The Empty Man. I don't know where it's uh currently streaming or playing right now. But if you guys want to watch it, we just had a whole lesson here on uh, what kind of movie it is. Overall, they placed the movie on the same scale as Jaws. If you combine the spookiness, gore, and all that together, it's on the same scale as Jaws. Summer writes, Khaleesi Girl, after I seen the first one, I swore I was running from death. Had me tripping, tripping babadook uh cc writes that is spooky that was a good movie so it is above this uh the scarity scales but pay grade to determine if the empty man is a new horror cult classic and in any case that's typically determined by time not contemporary viewers but the sheer amount of movie uh here manages to pack in plenty of terrible things that flip our meter well past midway in every category. So tread lightly, Frady Nation. (laughs) All right. Let's do a little bit of chat. Let's chat a little bit about our topic for tonight. All right. Movie monsters. I am not a big uh, fan of horror movie monster movies. I enjoy them. I talked about it yesterday, I believe. Dracula. I love Dracula. If I was to say, if I really had to pick which on the TV side, which is my favorite monster TV show, hands down, I would have to go with Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful, I've mentioned this before, was a fantastic show. Uh, lasted three seasons they were supposed to uh, do a whole other I don't know how to call it it's not really an anthology because the same story did last for three seasons but they were supposed to do a second story uh, during the 1920s in Los Angeles now I heard that two years ago but I have not heard anything about it since Uh, Emmy Wright same here Viz, I'm not into monsters either Lindsay Sparks loves Penny Dreadful and Lindsay uh, being a Penny Dreadful fan do you remember that lullaby that played for the series finale for Penny Dreadful Uh, when I heard that song it took me a while to find it and ultimately I had to get the song from uh, YouTube Because I could not find, it's not like an original song that you could find on a soundtrack or anywhere else. So to get it into my music library, I had to get it from YouTube. But that lullaby, I love the lullaby. And I know a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But throughout its first, throughout its entire three seasons of Penny Dreadful... It had one opening uh, credits that it stuck with. The last show, the series finale, uh, went with a completely different intro. And they played a different song. It was a lullaby. And I love that song. Summer writes, I watched a few episodes of Penny Dreadful. I enjoyed it. Uh, Lindsay writes, I know the song, but I can't remember the name. It's Lay Me Down. Um, You know, I love that song. And I'm not going to play it because, you know, copyrights, they're not as harsh with video clips as they are with music. So the next thing I'll know, I'll play a song, and then I'll lose my YouTube for a week. So when it comes to horror movies, let's see what we have. We have, of course, The Jekyll and Hyde, Dracula, bella lugosi one of the originals a quintessential and most famous movie monster hands down is dracula uh transylvanian royalty instead of casting a british actor in the role universal cast hungarian bella lugosi who has forever since become famous for the role uh lugosi was amazing in it made it his own dracula subtle monster, he's a vampire obviously, who often uh, sought games of manipulations and world domination until he met Mina Harker. Depending of which uh, version that you see of Dracula, Mina is, I don't know if you want to use the word reincarnation of Dracula's love, the love of his life and that's why he becomes infatuated with Mina. Next, Frankenstein monster. And when you pick Frankenstein, not knocking Robert De Niro's Frankenstein, which was very good, but you got to go with the original and Boris Karloff. Uh, tragic creation of Henry Frankenstein in 1931. The book is based off, Mar- the, sorry, the movies, any TV shows and movies are all based off Mary Shelley's book. The monster shows little to no aggression. And Frankenstein is not the name of the monster. The monster is called Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein is the name of the doctor, who was also in Penny Dreadful. Uh, The monster shows little to no aggression. The scene in which he drowns the little girl was the creature attempting to make her float like the flowers. So he's sort of like Lenny of, you know, of... uh, of men... I'm forgetting the title of the book. Of men and mice... I... I'm having a total fart on the Steinbeck title of the film. Lenny, who kills a girl. Men and mice. Come on, guys. Help me out here. Anyway. Uh, mice and men. Thank you. I had a total brain fart right there. I remembered the author's name, but I forgot the title of the, of the story. The timeline in which the monster lives is radically short compared to the novel counterpart. The creature dies relatively close to his creation while Henry survives as well and gets away with his crimes. And then we all know that as the story gained popularity, we got to meet the Bride of Frankenstein. I loved young Frankenstein one of Mel Brooks' best and funniest movies. So let's see. The Wolfman. When you go to The Wolfman, a lot of people have portrayed The Wolfman. Lon Chaney Jr. We're really out of time. Uh, the Thing, Jessica Arness. Uh, the Gill Man. How many of you guys remember The Gill Man? Uh, the Xenomorph. A uh, lot of monsters. And one of my favorites. Besides Dracula, the Predator Monster. Now, that's classic. You know, we met the Predator Monster in uh, in the 1980s with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course, it became huge, big, and popular. Lots of Predator movies came afterwards. And let's, let's not forget the Alien vs. Predator movies. So, Sir Anthony Hopkins was in Wolfman. Yes, Jack Nicholson portrayed wolfman and wolf with michelle pfeiffer so i mean the list literally goes on and on forever we are out of time guys thank you so much for tuning in i uh, hope you guys enjoy your weekend uh for anybody that wants to be a part of our live audience we air monday through friday 9:30 p.m eastern u.s time you can find us on youtube instagram facebook twitch and twitter Go on any one of those networks and search for Dead Talk Live. You can watch our show on any of those five platforms. Visit our website, deadtalklive.com to see all of our prior and upcoming guests, see all of our guest interviews, see our four most recent episodes. Like I said, I hope everyone has an amazing weekend. I'll be back on the air on Monday. Tuesday, we have the star of the original Day of the Dead, laurie cardiel friday we have sophie guest the actress who's going to be in the movie them on amazon prime that we discussed in the beginning of this show till monday guys stay safe always stay walking good night and have a great weekend